Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why do some coincidences seem too coincidental? Is there a collective unconscious that involve, that influences our lives? Can people foresee disasters en masse? Hello and welcome to the 645th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben and those unexpected questions came from my co-host and partner in the paranormal, my dad. And this evening, we bring this you afternoon. a... This Oh, sir. This afternoon, I should say. Wow, I am very ahead of myself. Uh, we bring you a guest on a strange subject that seems to touch a nerve with a number of our listeners. And as always, we welcome your phone calls. The numbers are 800-449-1240. That's from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada. And 401-766-1240 locally. And we will monitor emails. Paul at BehindTheParanormal.com for those. Okay. Uh, before we introduce our guest, I wanted to just say uh, Happy Father's Day to all our paternal listeners. And we hope you have a very good day, and thank you for what you do. A native of Miami, Florida, Dr. Gibbs Williams uh, graduated from Columbia University. Yeshiva, well, he attended Columbia University, Yeshiva University, and New York University. Who writes his script? He has been a practicing psychoanalyst for the past 43 years. He has investigated the, quote, the perplexities of meaningful coincidences, unquote, for the past 50 years. His journey and findings are documented in his book, Demystifying Meaningful Coincidences, Synchronicities, The Evolving Self, The Personal Unconscious, and The Creative Process. Dr. Williams uh, has also authored a number of original papers found on his website, GibbsOnline.com. So, Dr. Gibbs Williams, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Happy Father's Day. Ah, yes, and same to you, question mark? Thanks. <laughs> so let's start with something that may be a simple question, but not so simple. What is a synchronicity? A synchronicity, uh, probably the best way to describe it is to make a distinction between a synchronicity and a rather common coincidence. The difference between the two is that a synchronicity, I believe, is a coincidence. However, special meaning is attributed to it by the observer. Okay. Uh, oh, Ben, you've got a Pretty. So, okay, the, so the Swiss psychiatrist, uh, Carl Jung, who died in uh, 1961, is generally thought of as, you know, the pioneer of synchronicity studies. And, in fact, he coined the term, I suppose. And what is Carl Jung's belief on the subject? Or what was it? Carl Jung, who, uh, and the Jungians, who probably have a 95% lock on the synchronicity uh, interpretive field, uh, essentially believes that there are, that all synchronicities have a common structure. There's an internal event that connects up with an external event, and the two seemingly are apparently uncaused in terms of uh, scientific causality of, of uh, conventional cause and effect relationships. However, they are joined together by what appears to be an uncanny, meaningful significance. Then, of course, the key issue from my vantage point, is what's the meaning of meaning and the relationship between meaning and causality. Hmm. Essentially, Jung believes that uh, these events, while they appear to be random, are hardly random, <clears throat> that they're indeed connected with what he believes is a realm of absolute meaning, and that uh, this implies 
in a way that the world is spiritualized, reality is spiritualized, and a meaningful coincidence or synchronicity is the person making a felt meaningful connection with this transcendent realm of experience. Okay. So uh, moving on from that last question, uh, you say that you have a, uh, and I'll quote, a non-mystical, non-magical, non-Jungian, totally naturalistic theory of synchronicities, unquote. So what's your explanation as opposed to Jung's? So if, if I am right, that 95% of the world uh, values uh, Jung's uh, mystical uh, occult uh, experience of uh, synchronicities is accurate, that I'm in a uh, huge minority. <laughs> yes, I think so. <laughs> which, uh, I, which I might add has been the story of my life. And I might also add that I began my research into this fascinating topic as a de facto Jungian. I was steeped into it. I, I, was, very, I was very much uh, impressed with his particular rendering and wanted uh, desperately to believe that uh, I was in touch with spiritual forces that were guiding me and so forth. And that held sway until I discovered that in my own trip to try to understand who I was and what I wanted and the meaning of life and the nature of reality, that his concepts from my vantage point just didn't hold true. So I went on my own journey to okay. uh, change uh, to challenge his particular point of view. Well, one can see several possibilities that are non-Jungian, non-Williamsian, if I may use the term, there may be, uh, you know, third, fourth, or even fifth possibilities, perhaps, to explain this, but we can get in, in that into that later. Uh, okay, uh, we're going to do something unusual here, uh, Dr. Williams. We're going to, um, uh, we, we received so much um, of a reaction to this show, even before it's taking place, obviously, that we thought we would put some of the comments and questions into our script today and get your reaction to what people wrote in, okay? Great. All right. Uh, Patty from... Oh, ben, you want to read these? or? I mean, I suppose I can. Yeah, okay. I have the ability to read. Good. So Patty from Ohio writes, A lot of synchronicities were happening to me just before the Orlando shootings took place. Uh, this wave of uh, coming doom kept hanging over me uh, the day before it happened, and I didn't know what it was about, uh, but it was a signal to me that something really bad for the nation was about to happen. And I know it was a national thing. With synchronicities, it's usually a it's usually a what, what, uh, a portent of bad things uh, that are in the area about to happen. I suppose uh, that that's very okay. confusingly worded, but I hope right. you understand what I mean. Th- that's the basic um, comment that started a number of other people commenting as well. So, uh, wh- what's your comment on that, Doctor Williams? Perfect. This is exactly the kind of thing you're likely to uh, receive uh, by countless thousands and thousands of people with respect to these kind of uh, common events. Sure. <clears throat> I would probably go along with what her impression would be. As Jung did, a synchronicity attributed to Jung, which gets great favor from his followers, is that on the eve of World War II, he had this uh, dream of uh, the land being... I think burning and so forth, which is widely interpreted as he was a um, predictor of the uh, horrible thing that was uh, about to occur. Well, interesting, isn't it? Mm. Uh, doom. If you start to talk, if you if you bring it to bear critical thinking, and you examine the uh, proposition that 
uh, this woman is made, and many do. She takes the idea of she dreamed something which had a premonition of doom. Well, I don't know of any human being, let me just stay with myself, who can go through a normal 24-hour day, let's say eight hours of, uh, 12 hours of consciousness, without feeling at some point some feeling of doom about some issue, whether, whether it be um, personal or uh, situational. Um, her feeling of doom is a given. What she attributes the doom to after the effect or after the um, happening is her taking this horrible tragedy that happened with the killings and indicating and personalizing it and indicating that her sense of doom uh, probably or may in fact have foretold this terrible event. That's stretching things a bit too far. Okay. I'm thinking of uh, the whole Nostradamus phenomenon, uh, whereby, you know, if you really look at it, 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 you don't, he never really predicted anything that I can see with any, with any uh, solidity. And then after it happens, everybody says, aha, he predicted it, because they make the connection in their minds. I mean, is it, that the, that's the sort of thing you're getting at. You know, you don't, re, you, you don't really notice it until after it happens and you say, aha, I dreamed this or whatever. Is that... Well, I think there's even something deeper. You know, we're pattern-making, we're, we're seeking patterns. We're seeking to make meaning out of disparate events. Yeah, pareidolia. Um, right. Um, William James has a great comment that if you were a baby and you were just conscious of your experience having come out of the womb and you had words to describe your conscious experience, his definition is you would probably say that the world or reality is a booming, booming, buzzing confusion of sensations, and your job is to order your chaos. And I believe that that is a really good uh, start for why synchronicities or people collect synchronicities at all, which is their own idiosyncratic attempt to make meaning out of the flow of experience that appears to be random. Hmm, okay. They're trying to connect their own dots. Sure. Um, ben, what's the next comment here? We have, uh, so the next comment is also based on the uh, the Orlando shootings, unfortunately. Oh, would you like to read the read the yeah. responses? So another uh, person commented underneath uh, Patty's comment, which Jesus. was Steve from Florida, and he said, "I couldn't sleep the night before, and I had a feeling of dread, uh, which I've had before, but no clarity about what was going to happen." And then someone else from New York also wrote after that. Uh, I woke up of an, uh, out of a nightmare during the Orlando siege, and the contents of the dream were clearly connected to the events happening at uh, Club Pulse at the time, although I didn't realize it until the next day when details started to come closer. So in, in a way, maybe, uh, well, certainly a comment, uh, Dr. Williams, but uh, perhaps more the same, uh, you know, might, might when apply. We're, when the Trade Center was blasted, uh, there were numerous uh, comments, such as Patty and this man from Florida, of which I happen to be a, a uh, an original uh, <laughs> a joiner of. And um, many comments were made that they foretold the uh, destruction. This is fine, except for the fact that apparently half the rest of the world was jumping in joy over, you know, celebrating the fact that the towers were destroyed. Uh. Meaning, you can make meaning out of anything that happens. 
And from my vantage point, the key to understanding synchronicities from a grounded or non-union or non-mystical point of view is that I do not believe there is anything called absolute meaning that you passively channel. Meaning making is the crux, I think, of my theory relative to understanding how these things come about. And from my vantage point, the self always adds something of its own unique personhood to selecting and then making meanings out of whatever the raw dots are. Okay. I'll give you one that's a little different. Okay, now this happened to me very recently. Now, I recently visited an old friend, and on the way home, I had to stop somewhere in business, some place I'd never been before. Uh, the building next door to where I stopped was the office of a contractor who had the same last name as my friend, a long, complex, difficult-to-spell Polish name. And it was written in big letters all over the building and trucks. Now, I, I'd never encountered that name anywhere else. It just, you know, I, I don't see any fantastic meaning in this, but, I mean, it was just a coincidence that just was really a little too coincidental <laughs> to me. I, I, and, and so so what I'm doing is, is uh, attempting to take our discussion outside of the self to objective events that we can observe sometimes as a group of people that do seem to be perhaps meaningful coincidences. So uh, maybe I'm, I'm... I appreciate your goodwill and your attempt to do that, but from my vantage point, if you listen to what you said carefully, and I try to really hone in on what a person says, because after all, we're transcribing the stuff into words, and words have individual meanings, and from my vantage point, that's the, that's the clue to whatever. Now you say you were impressed, as many people would be, I would be too. If you came upon an extraordinarily unusual last name and you look up and you see it and you think to yourself, that's extraordinary. What are the odds is the typical reaction to this kind of thing occurring? And then you said what I think is the crux for me of trying to understand what's important to you. That you said something to the effect of this has to be more than simply coincidence. So I say to you... Aren't you implying that if there's something more, then you have a conscious or unconscious assumption about what is generating these amazing phenomena? Mm -hmm. What is it? What is your what is your? Oh, assumption? okay. Where, well, we were going to get into that. These two things together. We were going to get into that later. Uh, okay. In the in the sense of uh, well, I'm the, just the trying physics. to show you my thinking. Well, yeah. Okay, the physics of consciousness. Okay, uh, yeah, we don't, we're definitely going to get into that, but if we, if we could just put that off for a minute, I have a couple of other examples to get your reaction sure, to. please, go ahead. Okay, um, in 2003, here in Rhode Island, um, and we all remember this, we, it's a small state, we all knew someone who was involved in this, you know, I'm sure you remember too, uh, Gibbs, from the news, 100 people died in the station nightclub fire in West Warwick. Right. Uh, the youngest victim was the son of one of our radio colleagues, right. uh, uh, since early childhood, the boy's favorite number was 41. This number has been manifesting in the family's life, they believe, ever since. And uh, our family media company uh, agreed to publish the book on this experience. Uh, the book was called 41 Signs of Hope. Uh, and the same thing happened, started happening in my life. Now, I edited and designed the book myself. This is an example. And it happened to come out to 41 chapters completely unintentionally. Now, I realize, if, you know, if you're aware of a number, you're going to see it. But, I mean, beyond that, it, it just seemed too 
it ha- it was happening to a lot of people, and um, perhaps you would assign the same sort of explanation, or what? How would you react to that? Well, you're asking a very good question, and of course, this happens all the time. Uh, I was fixated on the number eleven for years and years and years. It happened to be my birthday, but I saw eleven all over the place. Mm-hmm. Uh, others have their own numbers, their sequences of numbers, their sequences of letters, their sequences of theme. Uh, I, my my presumption is that it is not a coincidence that somebody uh, highlights a number or a sequence about X because of some personal associations. And then, of course, the issue of heightened attention uh, and the emotionality connected with and so forth uh, even makes it more probable that, uh, let's say in your case, the number 41 and, and the family's... Uh, Association of 41s are going to be uh, highlighted. However, in in the in the larger sense, I think that there are five uh, dimensions of research that I've identified with respect to trying to understand the nature of synchronicities and the uses to which they're put. One is simply noticing them. Well, you saw an unusual name, and of course it registered as uh, the odds are a billion to nothing that uh, this particular uh, name should appear at exactly when it does and of course it has personal meaning to you because it has personal meaning to you that's in a way like collecting that's spotting and and collecting and then drawing an inference that the odds of this occurring are curious at at least and have incredible implications for some kind of uh, guidance or something spiritual the next step is the feeling that's attached to these um, experiences are often what Jung referred to as numinous. Mm. They feel uncanny. It feels like you're in the realm of the occult. Something weird's going on here. And then if you're more rational, you say the odds of this happening are, and you use the statistical thing, and of course statistics is not going to prove anything. It's a red herring. It has no relationship to anything in terms of understanding uh, the nature of coincidences from my point of view. The next step is, what are the implications? And a lot of people believe, as we've alluded to, that the messages, that these things are messages from some transcendent realm of experience, and if they're messages, then there's got to be a messenger. And if there's a messenger, then what? God, archangels, uh, master teachers, uh, the collective unconscious, whatever. Uh, another possibility is, well, then, then you go to the fourth possibilities, which are which are explanations, uh, possible explanations. There's the ESP thing. There's the statistical uh, possibility. There's Jungian possibilities. There are other uh, psychologist possibilities, and there's mine, which is that these things, while they do imply some kind of messages, I believe the messenger is one's self. Mm-hmm. And then, I, then, of course, I have to elaborate in terms of what are the psychodynamics of uh, sending yourself messages and sure. so forth. And, the four, and then the fifth issue is what do you do with these things in terms of interpreting them? And depending upon the first assumptions you make with respect to where they're coming from, you will get entirely different interpretations, and, which will lead to different uses. Okay. Let's move on to another level um, of strict objectivity in the realm of super coincidence, if we might say. Now, I'm sure you've heard this story. A lot of people have. Um, I have taken a lot of pains to research it. I've seen copies of uh, birth certificates, marriage certificates, and death certificates. Uh, and 
news reports about these various events. But this has to do uh, with King Umberto I of Italy, lived 1844 to uh, 1900. So just to uh, asking your forbearance, if you know the story, I'll just repeat it for the uh, sure, for listeners. Um, it was uh, uh, July 28, 1900. Uh, this King Umberto I was in the city of Monza in the northern part of the country. Uh, that's not too far from Switzerland. Uh, he and his aide decided to eat in a small restaurant, and naturally everybody was excited because the king was there, and the restaurant owner personally took the king's dinner order, came out and introduced himself. Now, both the king and the guy who owned the restaurant were shocked because they they, uh, they could have been twins, identical twins. Now, the guy had seen pictures, but photography in that day and age wasn't all that fabulous, so they were amazed by their own personal resemblance. That turned out that they were both named Umberto, uh, they also were born on the same day, March 14, 1844, in the same town. Uh, both their wives were named Margarita, and both couples had married on the same day. They both had a son, na- sons named Vittorio, and it just keeps on going. Uh, they both served in the Italian Armed Forces and had been promoted on the same day. King Umberto's coronation had taken place on the same day that the guy had opened the restaurant. The king was so taken by all this that he invited the, the guy to visit him and the queen the next day. Uh, the king was horrified to receive word the next day that his new friend had been shot and killed by accident that morning while cleaning his gun. There wasn't much to mourn uh, because that, um, much time to mourn because uh, the same day an assassin shot King Umberto through the heart and killed him. So both men even ended up dying on the same day, July 29, 1900. I mean, what do you do with that? You uh, do what you do, which is to be extremely in awe and impressed, and uh, <laughs> if you want to, write a book about it and show the uh, extraordinary parallels between the two. That's a beginning from my vantage point, not the ending. For example, there are many illustrations of Lincoln and, I believe, JFK right. showing uh, many parallels. Just yesterday, if anybody's interested, uh, go to NPR. Coincidentally, there's a program on... NPR around uh, 12 o'clock, 12 o'clock, that had to do with uh, meaningful coincidences and one in which a young girl in England was flying a, was, had a red balloon, gas balloon, and uh, got out of her hand and it started to escape and she figured, well, she'll go look for it, it's probably in the neighbor's yard, and it didn't, it landed, I don't know, something like 50 or 100 miles away into the yard of a young girl, roughly her age, who had exactly the same name as she did, and when they got together, became fast friends and showed that they had amazing parallels. So these things do happen. All right, what do you make of it? Well, try this one. I had a patient who, uh, when he came home from his hated job, wanted to go to the Trotters and would draw a circle in New York State, 50 miles from where he lived, and would pick the uh, trotting place to go to. I mean, he'd get there the sixth race, and he'd bet the sixth to the tenth. The trotting and and horses. The horses. And right, I said okay. to him one day, you know, you're really excited about this. Uh, this is obviously a real passion. How do you do? He says, he pulls out a list of winners that is gigantic. And I said, well, I was very impressive. A few weeks later, as I got to know this man in more detail, and thought to myself, if he's so, you know, successful, why is he bothering coming to me? And I said to him, what, which was a, a stunning question to him, where's the other list? And he pulls out a list of failures double. I hope I'm making a point. There is selective attention to the parallels that, uh, that um, 
confirm, uh, I guess it's called experimental bias. We do this all the time. And we leave out of the equation, we tend to leave out of the equation the things that are uh, that don't add up. And, you know, coincidences happen. Amazing things occur. We get up every day in the, and into uh, sunlight. And we go to sleep and we're in darkness. That's rather extraordinary. But we don't make much of it because we take it for granted. Okay, uh, we're almost up to our break, but Ben, did you have any comments so far? I mean, uh, no, I'm still formulating them. I think I need the break to be able to get my my mind okay. together. It just it just seems that um, are are we perhaps deliberately um, not making much of things that that uh, it just seems to me that objective things that happen, you know, it, the the, uh, the number of times they occur. The number of people who can say that it just seems to be something beyond the self. Uh, that's just my impression. Beyond the self. Uh, so that's your belief. That's what you would like to yeah. believe. I understand that, and that's uh, that's true. So do I. However, one of one of my contributions to this field is trying to objectify the subjective, and I have a method called contextual analysis which you may want to talk about after the break. Okay, sure. Well, let's take our break then. Uh, we're talking with Dr. Gibbs-Williams, a New York City psychoanalyst, on the fascinating subject of synchronicities. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Megan Grady, and I'm inviting you to join YWCA Rhode Island, Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for YW She Shines Radio, a program that celebrates the aspirations and accomplishments of women. For more information, visit sheshines.org. Owen Radio, Owen Worldwide. Okay, and we are back. We have a number of charities Ben and I have adopted on the show, which we will mention during our announcement period at the end. But right now, let's get back to our conversation with Dr. Gibbs-Williams, New York City psychoanalyst and expert in the issue of synchronicities. Okay, Uh, Dr. Williams, um, I don't know know if I'm entirely satisfied still with uh, where our discussion went as far as you know, there are things that are just ridiculous coincidences, uh, seemingly, and, and I don't know if it's a matter of belief, it's a matter of fact that they occur, but uh, l- let's leave that for the time being and get into some other other possibilities, okay? If, 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 if may I interject for a second? Sure. Most people are impressed with just what you said, the uncanny connection or improbabilities of these things happening simultaneously and infrequently and obviously meaningful. That's fine. So their concentration essentially is on the experience of the content of those things occurring. Great. My, my contribution throws the issue less on these things happen, and in a way, irrespective of how they happen. I think the key to success in terms of really understanding these from an individual point of view is what is the particular meaning of a particular synchronicity and the implication it has for, I think, the biggest life issue that everybody has, which is who or what is your final authority. It's either something outside, you can call it a realm of spirituality or God or what have you, or, as I believe, yourself. Okay. Well, there may be more to it, but at the moment we have a caller. Uh, Welcome to Behind the Paranormal on ON 1240. Hello, can you hear me? Yes. Yeah, 
Oh, yes, Bill. How are you? Yeah. Uh, you have a question for Dr. Williams. My sister had a, had, um, when she was ill, she, she, had, she said she had a, a nurse and, and some helpers and, and, uh, and two of the girls, they were both 25 years old and they were both born on the same day and one was going to be married on the, when the other one was, was married, but she changed the date. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. I thought, I thought that was kind of interesting. Yes, it is. Sure it is. Sure it is. Uh, uh, Dr. Williams, a comment? Now, I would ask I would ask the man both for himself, and I think he said it was his sister. I would ask both of them to try to free associate to that extraordinary occasion and ask each what did this improbable coincidence mean to them. What do you do with that? Beside maybe be in awe and scratch your head and say, this is incredible. Or maybe that's enough. Okay. Nothing more you can think about, really. (laughs) I guess not. Well, thank you for the call. Bill from Franklin, Massachusetts, I believe, eh? Yes. Very good. Thank you, Bill, for the call. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dr. Williams, let's uh, let's take this to another level again, if we can, or try to. Um, One of our pet peeves, so to speak, uh, our being Ben and myself, is the the possible inadequacy of the Western... uh, epistemological paradigm, in other words, how we know what we know or think we know. Our problem with it, well, it extends to many levels, but one is that the sciences don't seem to communicate with each other. There are amazing things going on with the physics of consciousness. And, of course, I don't know whether the physicists talk to the psychoanalysts or the psychologists or whatever, but there seems to be um, there seem to be certain uh, walls, maybe not so much as there used to be, but uh, still to some degree between the sciences. And I'm, I, I know scientists in various fields who have no idea what's going on in other fields, and it's relevant to their own studies. But the point is that in the physics of consciousness, the idea of non-locality has, whether we like it or not, and I have sort of a love-hate relationship with Jung as well, uh, has given credence to the idea of the subconscious being not within us, at least not entirely, not within the brain. It's it's uh, sort of cut, in some ways, cut the legs out from under the, old, the old-time materialist approach to science in general, and it's kind of maybe brought us to what some would say is is another first day of school. Uh, what say you about all that? I mean, uh, have you considered non-locality or the findings of, of um, the physics of consciousness in your own studies? Quantum physics, yeah, I think it's a red herring. It's a very seductive idea that everything's connected and waves and uh, particles and all of that, of which I think there's some validity. However, in terms of trying to understand the nature of synchronicities, I think it falls short. However, I am very pro your peeving, being peeved with Western science. From my vantage point, there is a clash between Freud and Jung, which is uh, subsumed under a greater clash between Plato and Aristotle with respect to first assumptions about the nature of reality, how we have knowledge of reality, what that knowledge is. Not to go into great depth about it, my belief is that to really understand the nature of synchronicities, you really have to understand one's basic implied uh, positions on such things as uh, speculative philosophy, 
uh, depth psychology, the esoteric occult, spirituality, science, and so forth. And um, just to get to your point, yeah, I think there's a definite Western bias. That's the whole argument. The, the Jungian thing, I think, exists to some extent because of a uh, understandable achievement uh, with the narrowness of Western uh, physics, if you will. It's, it's true to some extent. However, whereas Jung throws out causality as a way of making a meaningful connection between internal and external events in all synchronicities, uh, I think he's throwing out the baby with the bath. From my vantage point, you can throw out conventional causality, but that doesn't mean that other forms of causality don't act as uh, justifiable um, explainers of synchronistic phenomena. And the, and the one that I think holds is what I would call psychological causality. So the point being, uh, yes, I think you have a point, but no, you don't have to jump to an extreme Jungian position who says that a rational explanation of these things is, is impossible. No, it's not. He's wrong. Well, as a uh, fellow philosopher, philosopher we, you and I both have d- degrees in philosophy, which means we kind of speak the same language in some ways. It's a great pleasure, as a matter of fact. I don't often meet people. It makes you and me uh, two in the... Uh, yeah, so I hope the, the, maybe we understand. Maybe I hope the listeners do, too. <laughs> ben, you can be the referee here. Uh, the duel of the idealists. Here. Well, um, I don't like doing this uh, actively, but I have, I have my, my book. I think is really pretty cogent and pretty clear. It's the clearest explanation of what I'm trying to uh, get across, and I urge uh, people to at least take a look at my paper and see what they think. Sure. As a matter of fact, this is a perfect time before we burn up this hour, which we're doing very quickly, uh, for you to talk about your book, or your website, where people can find out more about you, and where they can get the book. Uh, my book grows, grew out of 50 years of research, largely in refutation to three what Jung calls irrefutable scientific uh, principles, in which he says that his position, which is magical and occultish and so forth, definitely wins the day. And I said 95% of those people who are interested in this topic will, will agree. Uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's got the uh, the truth of the matter, but in any event, my book is largely a refutation, I think a, a very solid refutation, of his three anti-causal principles. Uh, it's on Amazon. Um, I will make the following offer. Anybody wants to get it? Uh, it's not widely disseminated. The, the price of the... A hardcover is ninety-five dollars. I don't know anybody in this world who's going to spend ninety-five bucks on a hardcover book. However, I got the publisher to put it in Kindle and uh, paperback, and I think it's around twenty bucks. Uh, As, Kindle yeah, that, 30, um, I believe, yeah. It's still too expensive. However, if anybody wants to buy it, buy it. If you don't like it, send me the book, and I will refund the money. That's how strongly I feel about it. Okay. Well, we'll make sure to get your address mailing address later for future reference hopefully no one will, would send it back but uh, I'll be talking with you off the air anyway and uh, yeah I'm sure people will, uh, will take you up on that okay well to continue our discussion then um, you you seem to um, rather lightly dismiss at least from what you said the idea of some of the uh, physics the physicists of consciousness I'm thinking particularly of, of one scientist who's been on the show several times um, who has uh, um, Amit Goswami? Oh Amit Goswami, yes. Who 
says that uh, goes so far as to say that the self is an illusion, and what we really have is a sense of self-reference, and that we have organic and all sorts of connections on various quantum levels to each other, and the whole biosphere is almost like one creature, um, which which calls into question the island theory, as we call it, that does seem to be the, essentially the basis of modern science, okay, the modern physical sciences anyway. Uh, in other words, that everything is within us, we're totally self-contained, and that things like synchronicities can be entirely explained by our own consciousness. But, so, I mean, w- w- how do you react to that, are you, are you dismissive of, of that as well? Well, I, it is a wide-ranging opinion that has that, uh, those thoughts. However, try the following. A Zen uh, master has a student, uh, an aspirant, who comes to him and says, he had a dream last night that the world was an illusion. The self is an illusion. And he has this great epiphany, at which point, the Zen master kicks him in the shins and says, "Oh, really?" <laughs> I've heard that story. Yeah. Okay. Well, no. You I know, mean, look, you know. The, the, the point being, alternative theories of synchronicity will be generated out of knowing the particular theorists' basic assumptions about the nature of reality and how reality is known and how knowledge is known. Yes, you go exactly. Back to basic philosophy. Sure. Jung, in, in, in my book, I have a, a large section on Jung's background and the context out of which his own um, theories spring. And there is no question that any objective observer of Jung and Jung's own autobiography will testify to the fact that he was absolutely, it's no coincidence that he got interested in coincidences at all and clearly no coincidence that he comes up with this sort of mystical, magical theory. Mm. Well, Whereas Freud, Freud, in terms of his own particular background, uh, who uh, valued Jung a great deal, but they had a major falling out, sure. largely over the interpretation of a coincidence that happened in the Freud study. In any event, uh, Freud being Freud, couldn't possibly buy what Jung was dealing with with. Jung's issue essentially was one of identity. Freud's was one of understanding the nature of neurosis. Two entirely different language. Okay. We get now into, and you mentioned the epistemology, how we know what we know, etc., etc. It gets into the question of what constitutes evidence, what is our basis for our epistemology. In other words, is it is it uh, the observations of our five senses? I, you know, I don't think we have really anything better to go on than that, but how, how valid is that? Uh, how valid are things we assume, um, such as the validity of our senses, the validity of our observation, even mathematics? Because 2 plus 2 is not always 4. In the base 2 system, 2 plus 2 is 2. So in a way, you can't even trust math. It's all how you interpret it and how you approach it. Um, so, uh, do you feel that, um, <clears throat> as we do, that uh, really we don't? Well, what, what's the, what's the subtitle of our next book, Ben? Uh, Everything you know is wrong. Yes. You know? um, how no, much? How can we trust? Your next book kicks off in a really important uh, discussion on the nature of knowledge. How do we how do we objectify the subjective? 
my can we my, objectify I think major contributions is what I call contextual analysis. So we really get at. So let's say everybody, everybody in the room has a spectacular synchronicity. Okay, that's a starting point. Then the question is, well, what's it imply? So let's say somebody says, uh, God is sending me messages. And somebody else says, I don't believe in God, I'm an atheist, so I think I'm sending myself a message, but I don't understand the process. All right, to understand the process, you, I think you can take the following. So anybody who has a synchronicity, try the following. Uh, write it out. Um, keep a journal. Date the journal so you had a synchronicity uh, last night. So it's dated. Now, then you want to understand that there are two halves of a synchronicity. There's what goes on inside and what you connect with outside. So let's take the outside first. So you want to ask, where was I? Who was I with? What's the content of what impressed me? Just write as much as you can about that. Then go inside. Just before you go to sleep, everybody has something on the tip of consciousness, which usually is some kind of a problem area or something, a question mark or something they want to explore or what have you. Write that down. Um, see if indeed you can identify some problem which eludes uh, easy answers. And just associate to that. Uh, talk about the history of it. How long have you had this thing? What's the importance to you? What attempts have you made to resolve the issue? All right. From my vantage point, and also date that, from my vantage point, a synchronicity is a marker that an initially experienced unresolvable problem has indeed found a good solution. But it's encoded form so it has to be further interpreted like a waking dream. That's the essential uh, guts of my theory. Okay. If it holds, if it holds, then there should be no question in the synchronicity person's mind that there should be indeed a resonance, a felt sense. Yeah, that's it. They should feel unlocked. They should feel that they got good guidance, essentially from, I believe, their selves, and that a, a, uh, it's almost like they provide a key that goes into a lock, the lock is sprung, and they feel free, and with it is an expansion of individual consciousness. Okay, Ben? Well, now... <laughs> I, I was gonna I was gonna bring this up. This is sort of a question for the both of you. There is there is obviously a clash in viewpoints, and this has been going on for centuries now. How do we reconcile the difference between, let's say, uh, Aristotelian thought and Plato? How do we reconcile the, these differences between these two these two thinkers, Jung you, and Freud? You, you become you you uh, become a person called Spinoza. Or Hegel, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you uh, try to find a third way between the two extremes, and you touch on another one of my, I think, important contributions. I believe that individuals, essentially, in this world, to be effective, have to be very good problem solvers. In, in so doing, they often feel stuck. No matter what they do, multiple therapies or books or theories or intuitions or feelings or whatever, they're stuck. And that if they um, really try, if they really work on themselves to activate what I believe 
is the personal unconscious more than the collective unconscious, they will initiate what I call a psychological scavenger hunt in which they're looking for clues. The clues are sort of like um, uh, pieces of a unformed jigsaw puzzle, and when you get enough of them, they're going to form a pattern, and when you have a recognizable pattern, that's equal to a synchronicity, which indeed then has to be interpreted like a waking dream. However, the important point is that if I'm right, synchronicities are really helping a person connect, connect with their own personal creative process, and that's why they are so extraordinarily important. Okay, I just, I just, I respect that, and I understand. I think what you're saying, but I still can't get by the uh, apparent quantum reality, as they popularly describe it, where. You know, and of course we're talking subatomic level, but that that would have to have have macroscopic effects, uh, where you have effects that take place before causes, where time means zilch, and where um, everything is is connected. I mean, th- th- these these are these are facts now. They're they're really not theories. The only question is how to interpret them and what do they mean. I just can't see that influencing. Much that's going on in, in but even then, some even areas from of psychology, except tra- uh, transpersonal psychology. Well, even from our own narrow human perspective, how can we interpret things effectively? What do you mean? Well, I mean, well, say, uh, well, don't talk to me. Let's uh, let's have Dr. Williams answer that. Well, yeah. May I, uh, may I weigh in? Please. Uh, try the following: that with respect to simultaneity in time, I think what's happening is that there are two different modes of consciousness with respect to time. There's linear time with a felt sense of past, present, and future, overlapping uh, durational time or the absence of time, like in childhood time or vacation time. And when these two things happen together, that is usually when a synchronicity occurs. So it has the sense of timelessness or, or like macro and micro come together, and there's a sense of this uh, bigger-than-oneself feeling. And, of course, these things do happen. More importantly, as I just blanked out, um, what you oh, 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 quantum. The next time you guys have people who are uh, enthralled with this idea of everything's connected, and, of course, I knew that in ninth grade, you know, the atoms and the protons and the nucleus and all that, of course everything's connected. How everything also is separate. They don't, they don't deal with stuff that's separate. I would, for example, not like to have lunch with Hitler. I don't care who bat him, he's a jerk. On the other hand, um, when you have people enthralled with quantum, ask them the following question and really bear, hone in on it if it makes sense. And that is, what is their explanation for the meaning of meaning and the meaning and the relationship between meaning and whatever form of causality they're talking about? and relating all that to synchronicity experiences. And you're going to find, I think, that they're going to be dumbfounded. Okay, we'll try that. Um, the, the meaning of meaning. Uh, do all things have meaning? And where does the meaning come from? Well, it would come from us, wouldn't it? Well, I think so. I think all meaning does come from us. Yeah. It's, we're, we're, we, we, are, we are creatures who want to preserve our being, and we want to do it with pleasure and a minimum of pain. And every day we wake up and we say we'd like to be in absolute control. And then life happens and we realize we have very limited control. And at that point when we realize it and we have to be in control or out of phase, we, try, we say we have a problem. And then we go about trying to resolve the problem. 
And I believe that one of the important aspects of my theory of synchronicities is that it is a, an extremely effective problem solver and that or it, it, it uh, illustrates that when you can do this, cut to the chase, in the place of linear logic, I have found that when you go my route and you look at a phenomenon from the vantage point of various what I call filters of experience, you come up with an entirely novel form of logic which I call experiential logic, which is which brings to bear a number of paths of information, uh, intellect, feeling, emotions, intuitions, perceptions, all bearing on trying to make the best sense you can out of the raw dots of your experience. And to the degree to which you can use this knowledge, you become a very effective problem solver. Okay. Well, I have time maybe for one more brief question. What's the strangest synchronicity that's happened to you? Me personally? Yeah. Well, interestingly enough, I went to bed with the idea of tomorrow, today is Father's Day. And I uh, often feel like, wouldn't it be great if I could come up with a great synchronicity? Not really, not, not really expecting to. <laughs> and the problem that I had going to sleep was... What's the best way to boil down 50 years of experience into a, uh, an essential hour? And uh, there was a, it, it brought me to opening my book to get some information. And at random, I turned to page 202, and the heading of the book, or the heading of the topic is, my synchronicity theory works, and the subtitle is "Towards Becoming My Own Good Father." That's mm. cool. It is <laughs> that, cool. It couldn't be a couldn't be a better day to feel like I'm attempting, or hopefully I am, my own good father than Father's Day. Uh, most profound. Well, Doctor Williams, thank you so much for a very very interesting discussion. Why don't you Indeed. give us your website one more time? Sure, it's gibbsonline.com. My email address is gwilliamsny11 at aol.com. Okay, very good. Well, thanks again, and uh, we'll be in touch off the air. I think this is a fascinating discussion. I'd like to continue it. So, uh, oh, great interview. Again. I really appreciate both of your inputs. Oh, thanks, thank, thank you, you. Sir, and a happy Father's Day as well. Thank you. The same to you. Okay, very good. Dr. Gibbs Williams, folks, very, very interesting discussion. Okay, let's move on to our announcements. Alrighty, so our next public appearance will be at the Connecticut Gathering of the Paranormal in Windsor Locks on Saturday and Sunday, July 23rd and 24th, where we will speak on Saturday, then on Sunday, and we will host the weekly edition of this show with a panel of all the speakers before a live audience. Also speaking will be our friends and colleagues, uh, Shane Searway, who frequently appears on this show, and William J. Hall, author of The World's Most Haunted House and The Haunted House Diaries, and uh, this event will benefit the Queen of Hearts Thoroughbred, Thoroughbred Retirement Home in Maine. Yes, horses need homes, too. Yes. All right, so September 3rd and 4th uh, will once again be on the agenda at the Exeter UFO Festival in Exeter, New Hampshire. Uh, among other things, we'll be talking about a new paranormal flat case in Pennsylvania. And I, and I really can't say enough about how much fun 
that event is. It's uh, put on by, it's sponsored by the uh, Kiwanis Club uh, in the area there, southern New Hampshire, and they do wonderful things for children's charities. Everything, every dime they make at this uh, this event uh, goes to local children's charities in the area of Exeter, New Hampshire, and, and it's it's just, it's just a lot of fun. People are coming in and out, all sorts of interesting people. Oh, yeah, the whole town gets involved. The whole town gets involved, all the merchants. It's just, it's, a, it's really a blast. So, uh, so check it out. That's again September 3rd and 4th. Okay, Friday and Saturday, October 7th and 8th, we'll be back at the Greater New England UFO Conference at City Hall in Lemonster, Massachusetts. Also a tremendously fun event. Uh, so we'll be ta- talking more about that as we go. On Tuesday, October 18th, we'll speak at the monthly uh, MUFON event. That's the Mutual UFO Network. Very, very credible organization. Uh, it's going to be in the Philadelphia area, and that will be 6.30 p.m. at the, at the Tredefrin Public Library, 582 Upper Gulf Road, Wayne, Pennsylvania. And you can uh, find out more about that uh, online at MainlineMUFON.com. And meanwhile, you can find out more about the show, our public appearances, and more at BehindTheParanormal.com, uh, where you will find over 650 free recorded shows on both ON1240 and our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. Now, our forthcoming book, Ben's and mine, uh, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, is now available for pre-order on the publisher's website. That's SchifferBooks.com. You can just do a search for Behind the Paranormal or use the link on the BehindTheParanormal.com website. Uh, it's also available now for pre-order on Amazon.com, and just go in there and look for the Enos, and there it is. Uh, the book is yes. slated for release by Schiffer Publishing in January, and there will be a release party of some kind, and we're still kind of batting ideas around about what we're going to do with that. Perhaps a pinata. Perhaps, yes. Uh, one that looks like you or, or me. Both. Both. Okay, two-headed pinata. Yes. Here. Oh, it'd be terrifying. All right. So well, you, in any case, uh, we'll probably have something in our listening area, I suppose. We'll see what happens. Yes, and you can find more about Dad's books and all that good stuff at Amazon.com, Amazon Kindle, and Barnes & Noble Nook. And if you buy them directly at the BehindTheParanormal.com, that is our website, uh, I, or well, my dad will sign them, and you will help us keep all those podcasts free. Also on our websites, you will find dedicated links to several charities that my dad and I have adopted, including... USA Cares, uh, Canadian Veterans Advocacy, as well as Youth Mentoring Connections in Los Angeles, doing amazing things for at-risk youth. That's www.youthmentoring.org, as well as helpforhaiti.com. Okay. And uh, certainly wanted to mention that uh, next, for the next two Sundays, that's June 26th and July 3rd, uh, we'll be doing rebroadcasts because of vacation time and uh, U.S. Independence Day holiday the following week. So on June 26th, you can hear our fascinating show uh, again on the Children of Roswell with Thomas Carey. Uh, that was originally broadcast March 13th. And on July 3rd, we'll bring you uh, Alien vs. Demon, Which is Which, with Kathleen Martin. Uh, that was broadcast on uh, April 17th. And also, I, just, I did want to mention one more book here uh, that was of great interest to our local listening area. Uh, and that would be a, a book with an entire chapter about our old friend Joe Ferrier, who was a talk show host on this station for 50 years or more, and uh, 1960s UFO expert. Very, very interesting uh, book there, and that's called UFO Repeaters, available from Global, Publish- Global uh, Communications, and that's on Amazon as well. So um, as we reach the midpoint of this rather ominous, in my opinion, year 2016, we leave you with an unexpected quote from the character Gandalf from J.R.R. Tolkien's epic trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. Beware, there are older and fouler things than orcs in the deep places of the world. 
I'm Paul Eno. <laughs> and I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on a great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.